What's up, you guys? Welcome to New Church Online. Good morning, or whatever time it is for you. Thank you for hanging out with us. Last weekend, we tried Backyard Church, kind of a beta run or a trial run. And I'm not going to lie, it was pretty awesome. Thank you, Matt and Michelle, for opening up your home to us. More to come on that. Be sure to check your email this week. We're going to roll out some dates into September and into October. Uh, we do need host homes for that. We need places with yards that, that have enough space for, for distancing, that have parking, and that have neighbors that will not get angry at us. So if that's you, prayerfully consider opening up your space to us as we engage this new frontier uh, of worship community. So excited about it. More to come. Stay tuned and thank you. Uh, last week we kind of concluded the book of James and I thought it was going to be the conclusion, but I went back this week and there's just a couple of notes I want to take that I just don't want to miss. And even for James, there's this little note at the end. Uh, at the end of this letter, that has so much to do about the challenges and proverbs for our daily lives. Uh, he talks about a faith that produces the gospel, doesn't just proclaim it. And he says this at the very end, last couple sentences. Uh, chapter 5, verse 19, uh, goes like this. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings that sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back. Recovering that which is lost is super important to God. It always has been. Recovering that which is lost is super important to God. Those who wander away are super important to God. Those who wander are super important to God. And some of us right now, if we're honest, you're feeling a little lost. You're a little lost in life. You're a little lost in your spirituality. You're a little lost in your relationship with God. Maybe you've wandered off. Maybe you've just drifted away. God wants you back. God wants you back. Remember the first question God asked mankind way back in the beginning? He says this, where are you? Where are you? First question of God to man, where are you? This is way back in Genesis. This is the beginning. This is right after the fall. Where are you? And God, when he says, where are you? He's not looking for a literal answer. He's calling out to Adam and he didn't need to know where Adam was. He knew where Adam was. He wanted to know if Adam knew where Adam was. When he says, where are you? He's not asking for, for lack of information on his part. He's hoping to inform you on your part. Where are you? Where are you? And it's time to get honest. I think this is a season to get honest. Where are you right now? Where are you emotionally, spiritually, physically? Where are you? Let's get honest. Let's do this. And some of us are too afraid to be honest because we've been faking it for so long. You've been keeping it to yourself for so long. Well, what will people think? What if people think, will think if I really let down my guard? Who's going to be disappointed in you? Who are you going to let down by being honest about your life? I think we need to learn to think of it this way. Honesty doesn't let people down. It lets God in. Honesty doesn't let people down. It lets God in. When you open up, when you break down, when you get real, it creates an opportunity for God to enter in. And it's easy to drift right now because we are limited on physical connections. And we have more ways to communicate than any other time in the history of the world, but we can still feel so alone and so isolated. And so I'm going to encourage you today to reach out. If you're wandering or drifting or feeling lost, reach out to somebody. Here's my number. Text me, call me, 
Facebook, Instagram, maybe it's someone else in our church or someone you trust, reach out, reach out. If you're wandering lost, don't keep it to yourself. And friends, if you see someone drifting off, if you wonder, like, I want to know how a person's doing, I haven't seen them for a while, I haven't heard from them for a while, get after it. Go get them. Right, here's how that works. Oh, hey, just checking in on you. Everything okay, miss you. Easy. Can make a huge difference. I feel like we've all been in a place where we wonder if anybody cares. And you kind of drift away, you just sort of wander off, and you detach, you isolate, and you wonder if someone will notice. Man, and it is heartbreaking when nobody does. And so if you're a friend who, who just wonders, I wonder how that person's doing, I haven't heard, reach out, check in on them. That's James's call to the believers here. He's like, hey, if someone's missing from your community who's wandering off, go get them. Go get them. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. Sometimes I'm just cooking dinner, I'm hanging out at home, a name pops into my head, I'll say a little prayer, shoot a little text, hey, how's it going? It doesn't, be, it doesn't have to be a perfect system. It's just going on what the, how the Spirit leads you. And what I know is this, even though we're kind of in different places and, and we stress and fear and we depress about all these different things, we're all made up of the same stuff. We're all human beings, mind, body, soul. Right? We all carry the same basic 70 trillion cells that make up our, our human body. And those cells all have the same basic need to know God and to be known by God to know God and to be known by God. You are known by God, and He wants you to know Him. We're going to take a, a few weeks to kind of recenter a little bit uh, on, on church life. And I think the methods are changing, but the mission has not changed. And Acts 2 is what drives so much of who New is, and really most churches. It paints a picture of what it looked like in the beginning for the early church. And the early church wasn't perfect. It didn't do everything right, but it focused on the right things. And so we're going to take a look here. Uh, Acts 2, we'll be reading this uh, for coming in the coming weeks. And if you're at home and have time and, and want to dive into this chapter a little bit, uh, it, it's excellent reading, but it looks like this. And this is after the gospel, so it's after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It's after the ascension. This is the church being born in Jerusalem. There's this huge revival. There's all these believers. They're in this city. They're doing life together, and it looks like this. All the believers, verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, the fellow, and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day, the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved. I want to look at this last line where it says, in each day, the Lord added to their fellowship or added to their community. Uh, daily added to the community. The Greek word is uh, hemera, and, and it can be translated day by day. Some of your translations may read day by day. And I, and I love that idea of day by day, one day at a time. God added to their community. The Lord added to their fellowship day by day. And what I notice is in verse 46 is that the believers met for worship each day and in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared meals with great generosity. And they prayed day by day. 
And so as these first believers practiced being believers day by day, the Lord worked among them day by day. As they practiced day by day, the Lord moved among them day by day. As they worshiped and shared and broke bread and prayed, they became the church. And we have gotten out of, in some ways, the daily practices of devotion. Our daily devotion. And we wonder why we don't see God moving daily when we're not practicing daily. When we don't treat day by day our faith, and we don't see God day by day, maybe there's a reason. I've gotten very comfortable in this season, actually, taking it one day at a time. That's one day at a time. How's it going? Day at a time. We take it a day at a time. And it's easy to fill up on projections, especially where I'm at in in the church world and leading, and there's all these blogs and articles and and meetings and conferences, and we're trying to strategize and and foresee and, and, and forecast into the future what the churches should be doing. Like, how do you lead through all this? Well, you know what? First of all, Jesus leads. Jesus leads. Jesus leads this church. I try to stay close to him. He's the lead pastor. Jesus is your lead pastor. Stay close to him in your family, in your workplace, in your school. Decisions you're making, stay close to that guy. Our day-by-day individually has a huge impact on who we become. What you do day-by-day, what you do daily. Check this out. What you do daily is who you become permanently. What you do daily is who you become permanently, which might be scary for some of you. Sometimes we think we could just cram a bunch of like uh, a, a strong character into a, into a short time. It doesn't work that way. We become over time, over habits and routines, and what you do daily is who you become permanently. This has to do with your kids, your relationship with your kids. This is with your friends. This is with your faith. This is with your spouse. This is if you're generous. This is how you love. And too often we put those things on a future list. Like, oh, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. And we try to cram it all in instead of living day by day. Well, I'll get to my kids another time. I'm busy right now, but we're going to go on vacation. I know I owe my wife some, some date nights. We're going to do that. I'll be fine. I know my faith has been, been lacking, but I'm going to get there some day by day. What you do daily is who you become permanently. And what you don't do daily is who you become permanently. Mind, body, soul, day by day. If we get too far from God, too often we end up somewhere where we weren't meant to be. If you drift and wander for too long, you will end up someplace you were not meant to be. And you will not like the result. And that may take a while. That may be a lifetime. That may be your entire life. But someday, I believe you will realize, oh man, I should have been over here. I should have stayed closer to God. James talks about this as well as we, as we talk about uh, how we live each day. And this is actually in chapter 4. Uh, he, says, he says, now listen, verse 13. Today or tomorrow, he says, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. So what is your life? He's like, you're not even going to know what's going to happen tomorrow. So now listen, you guys who are making all these plans, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And some of us, when we talk about our daily routine, like, well, I don't even have room for God, because you planned God right out of your life. You set your schedule and your day and your week and your month and your year, you planned God right out of your life. Maybe it's a couple Sundays a month you work in. But now I got everything else sorted out. And we like that certainty, some more than others. Some like to seeing certainty like way out into the future. That kind of gives me a little bit of anxiety, but some people like that. 
And certainty, here's the thing, and I do like some forms of certainty. I like certainty in my faith and, and love and family and things I think matter. But certainty, too much certainty in our lives can keep us from staying close to God. Too much certainty can actually keep you from being close to God. When you know where you are, where you're going, you kind of can detach from God. You can run ahead, do your own thing. Like, I got this. I'll figure this out. I know this stuff. Kids do this all the time, right? Kids that are in a familiar space, they take off. Now, you've seen kids at our church building over, over the years. I mean, they're comfortable. They can just go. But if they're unsure, if it's a new environment, a lot of times they'll cling to mom and dad. Right? You ever had your kids, they, they grab onto your leg in a new space, or there's new people around, they, they cling because they don't know the way. And they need mom or dad in that situation. God wants us close to him. He wants us clinging onto his legs. There's times, where, hey, you can go walk around a little bit, but other times, he wants us right there. And sometimes we have to give up certainty. And sometimes God takes away certainty to bring us closer to him. I think the church may have gotten away from God in, in this season I can speak for the Western church. Maybe we've gotten ahead of God. Maybe we've gotten too good at doing church, at playing church, at manufacturing, at producing church. We know how to do it. God's like, ah, hold on. Reset. Reset. Slow down. I need you to be close to me. I need you to be on my side. I need you to be hanging onto my leg again. Slow it down. You don't have to know everything that's up ahead. We're in Idaho uh, last month in, in rural country. I noticed these signs out there, uh, road signs, street signs, and it's a speed limit. And it's a big sign with, you know, 55 on it, right? Pretty standard. But I noticed in certain stretches of the road, because of the wildlife and, and migration and, and deer and elk, there'd be the 55, but then it would say, at night, 45. So there's the, there's the day speed limit, and then there's the night speed limit. Slower signs, drive slower at night. Slower at night, slower at night. And I was thinking about that for so many of us right now, because we're so used to being able to speed along and we know where we're going. We don't have to check directions. We don't have to check the map. We got it. And I think God's like, you know what, slow down a little bit. He's like, I don't even want you to see too far down the road. I want you to stay close to me. I want you to stay close to me. I'm gonna try to roll out something for us in these uh, uh, coming weeks and encourage you, and it's very simple. Uh, it's this idea of taking five minutes a day to pray. Pray for five, pray five. And, I, and maybe for some of you, like, well, I hope we already pray five, but maybe you've never even began to pray. Pray for five. Take five minutes a day to pray. Five minutes a day to pray. Doesn't matter when, where, how, just to talk to God and see what God might do. Just say, God, I wanna be close to you. That's how you get close to him. You talk to him. You spend time with him. Maybe you're like, well, I already do that. Like, well, you know what? Pray five minutes a day, twice a day, or three times a day, or five times a day. Take your time to pray. Spend time with God. Pencil it in. Schedule it. If you look at your calendar, put in five minutes of prayer. Add it in. Maybe you'll do it. Pray to God. Seek God. We're moving into a season of seeking God. We're going we're gonna to talk about stuff as we gather on Sundays and, and hopefully throughout the weeks. We're going to try to get some Bible studies going, maybe some Zoom, and, and we're just going to stay close to God. We're going to figure this thing out together. And maybe we don't need all that certainty. Maybe we just need our faith. And so if you're struggling right now, I'm going to pray uh, as we wrap up this morning. Because I know this is hard for so many. This is just really hard, not knowing. 
uh, I'm going to pray that God would draw near to you. And I'm going to encourage us all just to be spending time with God. God, we thank you for who you are and for this morning and for uh, your timing and your direction, God. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling right now, Lord, with just uncertainty. They're just praying for clarity. Lord, you don't always give that stuff, but you do give faith. So I pray for faith. I pray for the gift of faith. And whether that's a relationship, uh, whether that's school, whether that's just this, this, this virus, Lord, maybe that's plans, it's college, it's finances, it's a career, it's a job. I pray you would just impart faith onto those believers, Lord. They may be able to see how you see. And help us to slow down, God. Help us to slow down and focus on the things that, uh, that, are, that are dear to your heart. We love you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. Um, God, thank you for being God. You're name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys. Thanks for hanging out. We will see, see you soon. Don't forget your kids. Peace.